Welcome to the Commune Podcast. My name is Jeff Krasno. Many of you may receive my weekly Sunday Commusings article, where I address a breadth of issues, including the spiritual, the physiological, and occasionally the socio-political. And from time to time, I'll also record an audio version of these articles and release it here as a bonus episode on the podcast. So over the last few years, I have become borderline obsessed with nature's self-perpetuating cycles, like the carbon cycle, the water cycle, and the topic of today's episode, the amazing seed cycle. I was initially introduced to the seed cycle by the king of sprouts, Tug Evans. Skylar and I now have multiple mason jars in rotation with broccoli, lentil, and chickpea sprouts. Skylar even made hummus from sprouted chickpeas. Now, sprouting is both incredibly healthy and gratifying, and it's so, so simple. Now, you can take Doug's commune course titled Let's Sprout for free by going to onecommune.com slash sprouts. But before we dive into today's episode, I am so grateful to those of you who write reviews of the show on Apple Podcasts that we've created a special offer just for you, 30 days of free commune membership. That's all access for a whole month. Just scroll down to the review section and tap write a review. Then email support at onecommune.com with a screenshot of your review, preferably a good one, to receive your free all access for 30 days. Okay, on with the show. Here's my musing on one of nature's miracles titled From Seed to Shining Seed. In my hand rests a solitary broccoli seed, brown and oval-shaped with a conspicuous white spot on one flank. It appears almost microscopic in the middle of my palm, no more than one millimeter in diameter. Given the right conditions, however, this wee seed could grow into a seven-inch wide broccoli head comprised of distinct florets. But I've got other plans for it. You see, I've become an avid sprouter. One can sprout seeds of myriad species, including but not limited to alfalfa, clover, fenugreek, turnip green, wheatgrass, wild rice, green pea, radish, adzuki bean, lentil, chickpea, mung bean, and red cabbage, among others. <laughs> the equipment requirements for sprouting are quite negligible. A wide mouth, quart-sized mason jar, some cheesecloth, and a rubber band. Sure, you can purchase kits that incorporate metal holsters that secure the mason jars at a 45-degree angle to facilitate proper drainage, but it's hardly necessary. You can stack your sprouting jars on a dish-drying rack, among other improvisations. Two tablespoons of these minuscule broccoli seeds will yield a pound of sprouts in four to six days. And the labor is hardly onerous. You soak the seeds for six to eight hours, put the jars in a cool and shady spot, and then simply rinse and drain them twice per day. It's immensely gratifying to watch the seeds push forth their tiny white stem and green dollhouse-sized leaves. This process of germination is pre-photosynthetic. 
the seedling is leveraging warehoused energy, a small parcel of food stored in the endosperm of the seed. These stockpiled nutrients, starch, fats, and proteins can lay dormant within the seed for thousands of years. But given the right conditions, moisture, air, and a moderate temperature, and this embryo will be activated to grow, cracking through the dampened seed coat and sprout. The seed plant cycle is one of miraculous self-perpetuation. Now, if I hadn't planned on layering the broccoli sprouts lavishly on my hummus top seed crackers, well, I could plant them. The sprouts would grow roots and become a seedling and with proper nurture, mature into a plant. Now, as boys become adolescents, they become often intensely malodorous. Plants, on the other hand, adopt a patently different olfactory attraction strategy. As many plants mature, they develop flowers, petals of every imaginable hue whose oils perfume the air. Both the fragrance and flamboyance of flower petals are designed to attract pollinators, bees, wasps, hummingbirds, bats, beetles, flies, and moths who are lured in for nectar, not unlike how the golden arches bait our teenagers for french fries. The job of our winged friends is to move pollen grains formed on a flower's anther to the flower's stigma. Okay, let's quickly detour into a brief primer on the structure of plants. A flowering plant has ample reason to identify as non-binary, as it boasts both male and female reproductive parts. The male sexual organ of a plant is referred to as the stamen, while the female sexual organ is known as the pistil, containing the stigma, style, and ovary. The stamen produces pollen grains, and the seeds of the plant develop in the pistil. Now, typically, the pollen grains are transported to the pistils with the help of insects and birds that visit the flowers to pilfer their sweet juices. Pollen grains are uncommonly sticky, and this is adaptive because as insects loot the flower for its nectar, pollen adheres to their bodies. The stigmas of flowers are also tacky and snatch the pollen grains off of the flagellating insects. Pollination is the movement of pollen grains formed on a flower's anther to the flower's stigma. And pollinators are the delivery service. The male reproductive cells, gametes, are carried in the pollen grain. The grain travels through the ovary tube of the plant where it meets the female gametes in the ovules. And voila, fertilization. It's not exactly dinner and a movie, but there's a certain understated romance to it. When the pollen fertilizes an ovule, it transforms into a seed that contains an embryo in the form of a root and a shoot and some stored food for future germination. Then the ovary wall develops into a pod or a fruit for the singular purpose of safeguarding the seed. The seeds are dispersed by wind and gravity and water. In some plants, seeds are housed within a fruit, such as apples and oranges. 
These fruits, including the seeds, are eaten by animals who then disperse the seeds when they defecate, unwittingly planting them in fertilizer. The fruit exists to safeguard the seed, insulating the potentiality of life. Seed, germination, sprouting, seedling, maturing, pollination, fertilization, fruiting, seed. And around and around it goes. Seeds beget seeds within an intricate web of mutuality and interdependence that evolved over millions of years. Nature designs for life. Regeneration is built into its operating system. This is the web of life. The bee mutually arises with the flower. Their tryst produces the fruits upon which we delight and in our metabolism of them generate the carbon dioxide that is subsequently extracted from the atmosphere by the plant's plastids for the production of energy, much of which is recycled back into the fruit. You see, there is no boss in nature's equation. Nature is a democracy. Everyone plays a part. There is a reciprocity and a mutuality baked into it. Now, sure, there are trophic hierarchies, tops of the food chain, but ecosystems can be equally upended from the top or the bottom. You extirpate the wolves and a top-down trophic cascade results, leaving the grasslands fallow. On the other hand, you kill all the microbes in the soil with herbicides and a bottom-up cascade ensues. Plant life becomes frail, stripped of nutrients, and unable to provide proper sustenance to those up the food chain. Evolution produces a sensitive order. It's neither stable or perfect or even fair, but it goes on, learning through the eyes of trillions of its modifications. This force, this great aggregate intelligence, this is the great oneness of the universe. It is the Brahman, and each of us is its delegated adaptability. Okay, thanks for listening to this episode of the Commune Podcast. If you enjoy the show and would like to receive 30 days of free all access to Commune membership, well, write us a review. On Apple Podcasts, scroll down to the review section and tap write a review. Then email support at onecommune.com with a screenshot of your review, preferably a decent one, to gain access to more than 130 courses featuring the world's top authors and thought leaders, all free for 30 days. Of course, feel free to reach out to me directly at any old time at jeffk at onecommune.com. Lastly, I'd like to thank the folks that make this show possible week over week, including Jacob Laub, Megan Stone, Violet Augustine, Cooper Mall, Silvana Alcala, Wellington Gonzalez, and Ryan Tillotson. That's all from the commune for today. My name is Jeff Krasnow, and I am here for you. <laughs>